Hello and welcome to the Jones Chase podcast with your presenters Susanna Reinhardt and Shona Newmark. The views expressed are commentary rather than legal advice and for tailored employment law advice please call 0203 837 9914 or email us at info at So welcome to Case Notes. This is an employment law podcast. Uh, we're going to review a case this month which the decision was handed down by the judges on the 15th of February 2023. The case is Ms A. Cox and it's against the NHS Commissioning Board. My name is Shona Newmark, and I'm here with uh, Susanna Reinhardt. Susanna, why did you choose this case? Hi. Um, Well, I picked this case because although it's an employment tribunal decision and not an EAT or Court of Appeal decision, which would be binding law, um, I thought it was a, I I read it with real interest, um, and I thought it was a very useful reminder about the process the tribunal goes through in making their findings of fact. Um, In particular, just highlighting the importance of the big picture, um, the cumulative effect of conduct. And uh, one of the things I'd like to talk about is drawing inferences uh, where a clear explanation has not been provided um, or an allegation made has not been unchallenged in a tribunal hearing. I think this case was almost like a a textbook example of just a really good reminder of how important it is that evidence has contemporaneous documentation to support it. Um, Because if, if, if you don't have that, you know, in terms of what the tribunal make their findings of fact based on, it will be, if you don't have contemporaneous documents, um, it'll be around the credibility of the witnesses, uh, the uh, consistency of evidence with surrounding facts, and then filling in the gaps themselves. Uh, And that is what this case really indicated, was uh, how the tribunal filled in the gaps um, where the employer wasn't able to properly um, uh, well, provide any or even a, a credible explanation. So that was the first reason um, I, I wanted to talk about this because I, I really think it's a case that employers should have a read of. Um, and then I also just thought the second point was looking at you know direct discrimination, and again that tribunals look at um, uh, look at indicators from a time before or after the particular allegation of discrimination. Um, to, dem- to, to look at whether or not decisions uh, have or have not been tainted by bias. And I think that's a real issue. You know, unconscious bias is something, um, well, it, it, it's there, isn't it? And, and the problem is in this case, and we're gonna talk about it, is where the grievance and the appeal process really fell down. So um, just taking that first point, Shona, in relation to, um, you know, the findings of fact and, and the tribunal's process, and in particular, looking at inference, what did what, do you, what were the things that really struck you? Yeah, I think the points you've just made are, are great. Um, this uh, individual, this is Ms. A. Cox, uh, she brings a claim, as you say, for direct discrimination. And um, she comes up with her her examples. Where where have I been directly discriminated? And there are a couple of away days that she says, well, uh, the first one I couldn't go to um, because I was off sick with uh, 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 
following leg surgery or knee surgery. And there's another mindfulness day, which she couldn't go to because it clashed with a BME day within the NHS Trust. And uh, Ms Cox was a representative and, and wanted to go along to that uh, BME day, so couldn't go to the mindfulness day. And um, those are two examples where on the face of it, uh, an employer ought to be able to come up with a reason, uh, a legitimate reason and the truthful reason as to why Ms Cox uh, wasn't able to go. But her line manager, who is the uh, main witness in all of this, and Ms Paxton, um, when asked about the uh, away day where Ms Cox has the, has the uh, knee injury and Ms Paxton says, no, you can't go, um, she just says, well, she's off sick and so she shouldn't be doing uh, work duties. Whereas there was another way around this, which Ms Cox could get medical assurance to say it was OK to go and uh, she could have gone along. With the mindfulness day, Ms Paxton says, um, oh, actually, we I didn't check diaries. We didn't, their diaries clash. Oh, goodness. I did give her an opportunity to change the date, but it was so late in the day that couldn't have happened. And so she had excuses, but she didn't have explanations. And if this keeps happening time and time again, then it turns out that there's no other reason for this other than possibly that issue of race has raised as her claim. And so that tribunal is being given the opportunity to draw the inferences that you have just uh, referred to um, when describing why you chose this, this case. Um, and these inferences are drawn because at the grievance stage, Ms. Cox raises a grievance listing at many items, I've just described a couple, um, uh, some points are upheld, but she then appeals because other points aren't. At the grievance stage and at the appeal stage, nobody really looks into the real reasons why things happened, nor gives an explanation for it. And that's where the tribunal thinks, well, hold on a minute, because none of this evidence has been given to us, we can only but draw an inference to say this, this is race. And that's where an employer has to watch out for uh, either saying this odd comment, there's no evidence, or um, fudges the evidence, or doesn't even put it down in writing as to what it's investigated, maybe hasn't even investigated it, just takes Miss Paxton, in this case, word for it. Um, yeah, it's not race. Okay, it's not race. Thank you. We agree with that. And don't uphold the grievance for Miss Cox. Yeah, I, I wonder... I think, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's that that's the the real take home, and that was the point I really thought um, was was the learning point from this, which is, you know, if you don't give an explanation to the tribunal, um, they are going to um, either um, infer a, a reason, or they will simply accept the claimant's uh, reason, uh, and in this case, it was, you know there is um, uh, unconscious bias um, uh, in place. I, I, taking the grievance, um, I, there were some really interesting um, uh, points that were made by the tribunal in relation to the grievance. And I thought I would just sort of highlight those because they're real learning lessons for uh, anybody who's involved in um, uh, conducting a, a grievance investigation. Um, and, you know, the, the things that the tribunal found about the grievance outcome 
was that they failed to de deal with all the material issues that were raised. Um, so they literally just didn't look at some particular points. Um, they did not set out its reasoning um, uh, and instead it sort of approached things for a, a very superficial um, uh, way. Um, uh, and, and then, you know, they found that the outcome letter um, which is something that lots of our clients are also involved in is, you know, was just simply re reproducing large tracts of the investigation report and then sort of using terminology like, well, the learning opportunities from this event are or improving communications between staff can be done. Um, but no actual decisions about the claimant's complaints were really made, which then gave her that opportunity to then appeal um, and so she gets a second strike at it, doesn't she? And, you know, this is, again, appeals are always there for an employer to use to correct and get things right if, if perhaps they weren't uh, conducted properly in the first place. And, and then they come under, again, enormous criticism by the tribunal. I mean, quite, quite unusually, tribunals aren't always so critical, are they? Um, but they, they come under considerable criticism um, by them saying that they really just set the bar too high um, in that they wanted to be satisfied that there was direct discrimination, whereas they weren't prepared to look at what the conduct, having found that there was conduct um, that, uh, uh, you know, they didn't agree with um, on the part of Miss Paxton. They didn't then go on and interrogate, well, why was she behaving like that? So they sort of, um, the tribunal ultimately are saying that you sort of just wanted to find deliberate discrimination, but you weren't prepared to look at the wider picture. And that's a real, um, that's a real learning lesson, I think, is that if you're dealing with discrimination or harassment um, or victimization, uh, you really need to be looking at that wider picture, because actually that's what the tribunal are going to be doing. Yeah. Um, if I can just read you a little bit from the judgment, because um, at the very end in paragraph 127, it says the grievance appeal outcome, like the grievance outcome before it, found poor behaviour on, on the part of Miss Paxton. This is the line manager and unsigned decisions were taken against uh, Miss Cox by Miss Paxton. But both the grievance appeal outcome and the grievance outcome before it did not adequately address why those things had occurred, nor did it consider why the same had, whether the same had happened to anybody else. So they didn't look at Miss Paxton's behaviour when it came to others and what was happening. And the appeal outcome person, a Ms Granger, she says in her appeal outcome letter, discrimination is rarely admitted. And she accepted that it was the function of her within the appeal to see that inferences could be drawn. And it's the function of the appeal to consider whether there was a pattern of behaviour towards the claimant and whether those things had happened to others. So she, she put all the right legal tests down, but then didn't exercise it because she goes on, this Miss Granger in the appeal outcome, to say, However, the evidence was that these matters were simply not addressed. The grievance appeal outcome merely stated that it did not have any evidence of why the claimant was not included in the various things that she says uh, were less favourable treatment to her, like the mindfulness day, etc. And so um, the, the tribunal can see that the appeal panel wants to do the right thing, 
But it's all very well to put down the legal tests and then not do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, really. Um, uh, yeah, really. Uh, uh, so from, from what I would like is employers to have a read of this case, because it is really useful in terms of highlighting the risk. The other thing that um, uh, I think came across really strongly in this case is obviously they didn't like Miss Paxton. Um, they, they found her untruthful um, uh, and they um, they they certainly uh, evasive, evasive. Yes. Um, and they definitely preferred the claimant's evidence. Uh, primarily, though, they preferred the uh, claimant's evidence, it would appear, because she was able to reference um, her evidence to correspondence at the relevant time. So she was able to back up her what she was saying, whereas um, actually, by contrast, Ms. Paxson's evidence failed to explain her conduct at material times. And then they found that she was sort of almost retrospectively providing new excuses um, uh, that, that, that just weren't then supported by other documentary evidence that existed. So then found her to be uh, a, an entirely unreliable witness. So it, it, it reinforces, doesn't it, things that we say to people, which is always put everything down in writing, because you need the documentary evidence at the end of the day to back up um, a process and a procedure that you are applying in the workplace. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's 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 a really, uh, a, a, you know, it's alarming in the sense of if you haven't got the documentary evidence, you don't have a good witness you know, you are exposing yourself significantly to the tribunal filling in the gaps um, themselves uh, and, and it's not necessarily going to be in your favour. I, I was going to say there, you know, what, what, what could the NHS have done? What could they have done at the grievance stage and the appeal stage? And I suppose, just as you have pointed out, um, hopefully it had the same documents in front of it, the grievance and appeal stage that the tribunal then had in front of uh, the panel, the tribunal panel at the hearing. But um, the grievance outcome could be, uh, we find, we don't understand why Miss Paxton has done what she's done and therefore this could amount to discrimination and we're taking action on that basis and or the appeal panel could do the same. Um, or it could look around to see what uh, the behaviour was with others and whether there's a this pattern of behaviour which doesn't show itself because in fact, Miss Paxton um, doesn't uh, uh, act just in this way when it comes to Ms Cox, the claimant. Uh, she acts in this way across the board. She finds it difficult to have conversations with lots of her direct reports. Uh, she finds it difficult to pass on information about other people getting pay rises, etc., uh, that she should have passed on, that in fact she hasn't. So it's, um, yeah, what could this grievance and appeal panel have have done other than to find what the tribunal find? Well, I mean, I, I, I uh, you're right. I mean, if they'd been able to show, for example, that in fact it wasn't specific to to Ms. Cox, and it was perhaps that there was evidence that they had a you know they had a difficult uh, relationship arising from conflict in the workplace, or as you pointed out, if you could show that just 
Miss Paxson's by nature does not like to be challenged because that was one of the things that comes out in this case is that she didn't like being challenged by Miss Cox, who she found to be confrontational. Uh, uh, the tribunal, by contrast, found that in her role uh, at, at sitting on this BME uh, board, that was part of her job was to challenge. Um, so, but but I think if they've been able to demonstrate that this that Miss Miss Paxson didn't like to be challenged by any of her uh, reportees, that probably would have been an explanation. Um, yeah. And may not have then uh, come down to, um, you know, discrimination on grounds of race. Yeah. Um, but the other thing that I picked up and that, you know, going back to my second point that I thought was really interesting about this case, which is that the tribunal will look at things that happened before and after the allegations. You know, one of the things that clearly comes out in the judgment is that having made some findings at the appeal stage, um, there was this disconnect where actually the information wasn't then fed back to Miss Paxton. Um, and, um, uh, you know, that was something that uh, the appeal officer said should have been dealt with by HR. And so then the tribunal fill in that void by saying, well, you employer, don't go and put into practice what you say in your lovely work um, a policy um, and you don't follow your own procedures. So actually there is this inherent subconscious, uh, unconscious uh, bias that works in the, in the workplace. So that, that again is, you know, you're, when you're looking at these cases or defending these cases or faced with um, complaints uh, about discrimination in the workplace, uh, really the, the take homes are on this case is you've got to look at the bigger and wider picture and you can't be so narrow as to perhaps just focus on the, um, on the actual discrimination allegation points. You need to look wider than that. My other take home uh, was that it's absolutely be critical that you address all complaints raised in the grievance. Um, don't just pick and choose. Uh, and perhaps when there are really difficult points or uncomfortable points, those are the ones you've got to hit head on. My old boss used to talk about a space invader game and um, say that you've got to hit every target that's coming down the screen. This is quite uh, sort of old reference point, but you used to have those games where you had to go -dong, 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 against every single point, and you're absolutely right. Uh, in this case, at the appeal stage, they, they didn't do that. Um, just going back to your recommendations point, so the appeal panel gave these recommendations and then that didn't filter through to HR. A, a lot of the time that can just be pure lack of communication. It could be that uh, the appeal stage was done by individuals who don't have direct contact with HR and the letter goes out to Ms Cox, here's the outcome to your appeal. Uh, doesn't go to Miss Paxton, this is what we find against you, nor does it, uh, copy goes to HR, but it goes for filing, and nobody actually is responsible for the actioning of those recommendations, which means talking to Miss Paxton. So it's, um, but that in itself might not be discrimination. That in itself just can be pure incompetence or the left hand not knowing what the right hand's doing. And, and, if you can show, oh, do you know what? We file all these things and nobody follows up recommendations. That could be a wider picture to show that that incompetence in itself isn't discrimination. But as I said, 
um, just not, uh, they haven't put in place a, a, a mechanism to follow the policy that they have. So it's not the most attractive argument to run in tribunal. We're incompetent and therefore nobody saw the recommendations, but uh, it may not be discriminatory, but will be treated as such if you're not giving an explanation. Yeah, no, uh, although I have to be honest with you, the one thing I think I learned very early on was that if you have policies and procedures, a tribunal will hold you to account uh, on your policies and procedures. So um, if you say that you're going to do something in a policy and you don't do it, um, prepare to be hauled over the coals by a tribunal judge in respect of that because they want these documents to be living, breathing, um, uh, you know, ways that you operate within your organisation. So uh, I think it's a perilous route to take. <laughs> yeah, totally accept that and it will make something uh, unfair. Totally accept that. But when it comes to does it make it discriminatory if you don't follow these things for every um, uh, recommendation that's given in appeals, potentially there's an argument, yeah, we're just incompetent with everyone. It could result in institutional uh, uh, discrimination in that the impact on a certain group of individuals is much greater because these recommendations aren't just followed through, but it of itself may not be discrimination, possibly. Oh. Just throwing it out there. <laughs> don't don't, don't um, know. Uh, I think uh, yeah. So I think it was a worthwhile uh, case to look at, um, uh, and uh, it's certainly one uh, that is worth a read if you've got a bit of time. It's quite lengthy, uh, but there's a lot of learning lessons. I agree. I think choosing a tribunal case where you get all the law set out for you, the list of issues, etc. It's a great choice and I loved reading it. So thank you. All right. Well, great. That ends case notes for this month. Uh, and look forward to talking to you about another case next month. OK, thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about employment law, contact Susanna Reinhardt at susanna.reinhardt at joneschase.com or Shona Newmark, shona.newmark at joneschase.com. Alternatively, call the Jones Chase team on 0203 837 or visit our website at joneschase.com. Thank you.